week. And where I want to start uh, today is in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. Uh, and reading uh, that, uh, the reality of, of, of man's creation. And so, uh, verse 26, chapter 1 of Genesis, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over creeping thing, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the, uh, excuse me, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so, and God saw everything that He had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. On the sixth day, God created the animals of the earth, and then he said, let us create man in our image. Uh, the word image and likeness both appearing here in, in chapter 1 in reference to creation of man in the image of God and the likeness, in our likeness, he says, they're basically synonyms. There's all sorts of, of teaching that says that, you know, the image and the likeness and they, and they go into different directions, but they're also used individually uh, at different points in reference to the image of God. And so the idea is, is that is, you know, God is basically saying, our image, our likeness, uh, basically there's no difference. They're synonyms. They're similar, meaning, it, meaning uh, excuse me, the words are to emphasize the idea that we are similar to God, not exact. There's only one exact representation of God in, in, in the flesh, and that was read in Hebrews, Jesus Christ. The exact imprint, the exact representation. And the, the words also imply that we will be representatives of our Creator. As we are in His image, we are His ambassadors, His emissaries, His governors, if you will, appointed to rule over His kingdom. And, and so we are to be representatives of, of God. And, and in a sense, we resemble God in a, in a particular way. And we're going to look at that this morning. Uh, again, God created man in His image. In the image of God, He created him male and female. He created them. Uh, the image of God, I want to start with the idea that it's not a flesh and blood context. We have Jesus very clearly teaching in John chapter, 20, in chapter 4, God is spirit. We worship Him in spirit. And so I, the idea is that in being created in the image of God, we have something that nothing else in creation has. And we're going to, to look at that in the sense of, of our relationship with God in the creation. Um, 
I, I just wrote it so simple in my notes. I said, so, the image of God, what is it? And I was reading some articles by Wayne Goodham, who's a, a uh, current uh, theologian with a, a lot of recognition uh, and uh, in his studies. And uh, he said, uh, he, and he has quite a lot to, to he's written, in, not only in book but articles uh, in reference to this issue. But he said, ultimately, to fully define the image of God is beyond us. And I want you to catch that, that understanding that just as everything else is, is to fully understand God, to fully understand all that God has done, we, will be, you know, we are continuing to grow in understanding of that. I hope that as you read through the Word on a regular basis, you realize, oh, I understand this. I didn't understand it before. It grows in your connection with, uh, again, I always think of Mr. Young. Oh, look, this and this go together. You know, uh, and... Uh, he, the idea is, is that we're growing in our understanding of who God is. So it's the fullness of this idea of being created in His image is beyond us. Still, there are some things that we can understand, some basics, if you will, that, I, that we can look at. And uh, that man was created to uh, resemble God, to represent God. Uh, and, and that part of man that sets him apart from the animal world is what we're talking about. In fact, the animal world and the rest of creation. And the first thing you notice is the way that man was created is different than the rest of creation. It says, first off, we're created in God's image, but it goes on in chapter 2, which is an expansion of, of the sixth day and the creation of man, that it says that... that uh, uh, being created in the image. It says God, in verse uh, 7 of chapter 2, it says God breathed into, the, into man's nostrils the breath of life. God breathed into man. And the idea is that, the, that, that that is the spirit that in man that is in the likeness of God in His spirit. The idea that we are, are, are indwelled with that, that, that uh, uniqueness that nothing else in creation has. And... All I can, I can say is, is that uh, there are some uh, groups that, that hold that animals have souls and spirits and all sorts of things. Uh, the reality is, is that man is the only one that is in this category. Nothing else in creation stands with this. Uh, out of all creation, nothing else is like man. In fact, you can see that in, in, in chapter 2 of Genesis when uh, God says it's not good for man to be alone. And they go through all the animals and Adam names all the animals and then it finally says that there wasn't anything for Adam. There was nothing that comes out of creation that would, would work with him. And, and the idea of, of, of then the creation of Eve from the side of Adam goes into the picture and creates the perfect complement to, to, to him. She also, though, in that process, created in the image of God. Go back to what it says. Male and female created in the image of God. So, what we have is that man is totally unique from the rest of creation. And it says also in, in chapter 1 that man was given dominion which means the rule, the authority, the representation 
for God on earth. Um, and, and over all the earth and everything that is on it, it says. It's the only, you know, that wasn't given to share. You know, by the way, you, you'll share with the animals some, some authority here or something like that. It's man and man alone that has this. Created in God's image and His likeness, God gave him dominion and rule over all the world. God breathed the breath of life into him. Man has a soul, a spirit, unique to all of creation. No other part of creation, no animal has that. There's several uh, approaches to trying to understand how this comes together. Grudem and others uh, kind of have a straightforward presentation, basically setting up some categories that uh, reflect man's uniqueness. And one of the categories would be the fact that man is a moral being, meaning that he has the ability to discern a right and he was created to be able to discern a right and wrong. To know what was right before the throne of God, what was wrong before the throne of God. Therefore, able to be held accountable for his actions as well. He's consented, he, he was created with a sense of recognizing the righteousness and the holiness of God. And, and with this idea of, the, of seeing all of that and with this idea of right and wrong, he has a conscience. And even after Adam and Eve sinned, and we're not going to go into any kind of detail on that this morning, but even after that, we see that, that clearly their conscience bothered them when they realized that they had chosen wrong rather than right. You can see. You realize that animals don't have... That we're, man is the only creature on earth that has this. And I will have people... I've, I don't know how many times I've come up and said, but my dog or my cat or whatever... And I won't argue that, the, that dogs and cats can be very smart, you know, seem to be discerning certain things. But, you know, we've grown up in a world that's really interesting, especially in my generation more than, than, than any other, and it's continued since then. And that, I, I don't, and I hope I don't upset anybody here, but, you know, but it's the, the Disney concept of personification. Now, people say, well, do you have a problem with going to Disney? That's not the issue. The issue is that, that we tend to think of animals with personalities, that are parallel with man personalities, that they're thinking. The, the, the Hollywood Coyote is a, is a, was a Walt Disney production. And uh, I got to meet that coyote. And you know what? He wasn't anywhere near the animal that was in that movie. And I don't think he cared one way or the other that I was there. Uh, his trainer was somebody who lived in Santa Barbara, California. And we actually, uh, on a field trip in our science class, uh, his brother was our science teacher. We got to go meet several of the Hollywood coyotes. There were five or six of them used to film that one little series. Uh, and they were all playing the same role. And, you know, they would be going through, oh, look, gee, there's some garbage. I wonder what might be in, you know, all, all of this kind of stuff. Uh, no, it's not the way it works. Um, and so this idea of, of, of giving the person, by the way, I talk to my dog. I sometimes think it understands me. But you know, have you ever seen that commercial about the bacon strips? 
the Bagan, I think they're Bagan strips. I'm not trying to do a, a promo here, but uh, product placement, I, you know, if anybody can give me some extra for it, I'd appreciate it. Um, but the idea is, is you see that dog running through the house, bacon, 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 bacon. You know, that person could be saying anything and everything, talking to the dog about all sorts of things. The only thing that's on that mind of the dog is the reality that there's something that smells like protein that, and, and it wants it. And it's quite interesting. It could have been a chicken strip. You know, uh, and some dogs, some animals have preferences over certain things, but that's only because they have taste buds. You know, it's, it's not necessarily because they, they, oh, I don't think I like tuna. You know, uh, well, you know, it's what I'm trying to get at is animals. And the real picture is, is that an animal does not sit down and reason with the idea of, oh, I, you know, my dog, for instance, doesn't sit there and say, oh, I, I'm a dog. He's the man. It's not happening. Does, does my dog know she's a dog? Yes, in the sense that there's something genetic in her that lets her know that, you know, uh, and, and, and my dog, because of her breeding, uh, she's a, a, a Labr Springer <laughs> or something like that. Uh, she's a Labrador and a Springer combined. She sees a squirrel and she thinks she's supposed to chase it. And if she gets outside, once she picks up the scent of a squirrel or a raccoon, she's gone. And, you know, I, I, fortunately we can get her back, but I mean, it's just, she, she's doing what she was trained to do. Other dogs could care less. You know, she doesn't say, oh, look, there goes a squirrel. I'm supposed to chase it. It just, it's automatic. And, and, and it's automatic so much in her because it was bred. She was bred to be a hunting dog. So, she, you know, she doesn't understand the right and wrong. Somebody say, well, she, you know, and, and I will say sometimes she, she does something and she looks at me like, oops, I'm in trouble. And that's because she's been scolded or, you know, uh, disciplined before. And, uh, and she just simply knows that, that, that this could happen again because she just did whatever it was that she did. Uh, it's not because she understands a right and wrong, but she understands the, the context of discipline and reward. So I'm try, what I'm trying to say is that man is unique. We, we are able to sit and contemplate these things. We are a spiritual creation in the sense that we have a, a, a spiritual... Uh, ability, if you will, to relate to the God of creation. Adam knew God in an intimate, personal way. It says he walked with him in the garden. The idea is that reality, that, that it was a very personal, real relationship and fellowship with God. Man, he was created to be in fellowship with God. To be able to be in, in, in worship and thanksgiving and prayer. The ability in a social context to, to relate to other people in a sense of, of, of care and concern. And again, there's some animals that will protect their, their, their offspring. Uh, there's some animals that mate for life, but it's genetically encoded in them. It's not because they thought about, oh, I only want one wife. You know? uh, but we have the ability to be involved in relationships that are social, and, and interactive in a sense of fellowship and, 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 and care and concern. We have the ability to learn in, in a sense that uh, to read, to write, mathematics and science. I saw a very smart horse 
the guy that, that rode the horse, his name was Monty Montana. Some of you will remember him because he was a TV personality way long time ago. And uh, his horse, they, they, he, he had the, we had a, an assembly at our school where he shows up with his horse. And his horse could count, clump, 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 uh, on the ground. And, 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 but every time that his horse did something, there was a little sugar cube or a little treat that went in, you know. Every, almost every single act was followed by a treat. He was conditioned to train to do specific things. And, uh, you know, it's like tra- training your dog to sit, to, to, to roll over, all of those kinds of things. We have the ability to, to, to discern and, and work through all of that in a different way in the sense to reason and to learn. And like I said, to read, write, mathematics, science, to create. And, and, and that's another part of the, the idea of, of man being created in the image of God. We have the ability to, to put things together. And when I say create, I don't mean as God created. He spoke and he, and he made and, 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 and created. But, but, but in the sense of, of making things come together in such a way as to be productive or useful or of interest. Uh, we've created again with that idea of music, for instance, or art, or literature. Again, science and technology. And, and it was interesting, in one of the lists, cooking. And I thought that was an important thing to have in there. Um, but, you know, some people cook with a tremendous artistic flair. Just the putting together of recipes can be very creative. I'm sure everybody has tasted something that they'll never forget versus something they'll never eat again. Well, they'll never forget that one either. Uh, but, but the idea is, is that man is creative. He's able to do different things. But I really thought in terms of, of, of the idea of the music and, 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 and technology and, and this type of thing, and it, and it drew me to a, a, just quickly to Scripture in, 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 again in Genesis, but in chapter 4, uh, in some of the genealogy and the lineage and stuff, it says, Ada bore Jabel. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. Now, by the way, this is the first generations of people. They dwelt in tents, they had livestock, uh, and, and the idea is that also that there was agriculture going on. These weren't things that developed over, over thousands and, and, and tens of thousands of years. Man was created with the ability from the beginning. And look what else they were doing. And, and it's, you know, the dwell in tents with livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of those who play the lyre and the pipe. Those are musical instruments. The creativity to be, you know, to use and and then to use it even in worship. Um, there was also Zillah who who uh, also bore uh, uh, Tubal Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. And and so man's ability to create different things. I've shared shared this before. But the, the Ur of Chaldees, I don't know how many of you have ever studied some of the ancient mystery cities. And the reason why they're mystery is because they found things within the city that were ancient as the city that don't seem to coincide with the idea of, of man's development from various ages on through his, his history. For instance, you know, uh, a few thousand years before Christ, uh, they found uh, metallurgy that required electroplating which requires electricity. 
And they actually found urns with copper coils. They were batteries. They actually found these things. It's an amazing thing to see. Man was cre- has been creative. That's part of, 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 of his identity. You don't find that in any other animal. Somebody says, look at chimpanzees. They'll, they'll, look how they learn. No, they mimic. They are, you know, porpoises have been touted as the, one of the most intelligent animals in the world. And if you're a science fiction uh, uh, buff and you, and you, and you watched Hitchhiker to Guide to the Galaxy, you'll find that the, the porpoises are, super, you know, are aliens on our earth and they're, more, they're smarter than we are at all, all ways. There are people that actually, though, believe that, that the porpoises... There was a movie uh, back in, the, 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 I think, the early 70s uh, uh, where the, the star of the movie was training the porpoises to go with a harness and a bomb to go and, and actually blow up ships. You know? Now, you have to think, if the porpoise was so smart... Come on. The porpoise was willing to, to, to commit suicide. He was a suicide bomber. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, you know, we, there are animals that seem to have a little bit more uh, intelligence, if you will, than others, but none of them have the spirit and the soul of man because we are created in God's image with God breathed into us uh, and, and we have this ability to be in a spiritual fellowship with God and, and in relationships with each other. We have the ability to reason and to learn and to grow in our understanding of things. We have a creativity side of us in the sense of music and art and literature and, and, and cooking. And, and, and so all of this comes together to say this is, this is a part of the idea of what it means that, that God is created in man's image. Again, I go back to what Groom said. We're not going to ever fully understand how to explain it. But we have the means to see in Scripture the evidence of the, that we are unique and different and, and that God created us that way very specifically. To be, more than anything else, in a relationship with Him. Does God love the rest of His creation? Absolutely. But it's very clear that the, the, the very core of, of, of His creation is mankind and the rest of creation was created for man. R.C. Sproul, uh, Legionnaire Ministries, and uh, he had a statement in an article. He says, perhaps our summary statement of what it means to be in God's image could employ this language. The image of God in man means that God made human beings, both male and female, to be created and finite, meaning having a beginning, representations, images of God. Representations of God's own nature that in relationship with Him and each other, they might be representatives, that we might image God, if you be, you know, that we might be putting forth an image of God, be His representatives in carrying out the responsibilities given to them. What? To have dominion, to subdue, to have, be in a relationship, husband and wife, and to, to populate and, and to have children and families. In this sense, and, and to be in relationship and fellowship with God and, and to give Him glory. In this sense, we are images of God in order to image God. 
and His purposes in order of uh, in the ordering of our lives and the carrying out of our God-given responsibilities. Um, one of the things that you should be asking at this point is, what effect did the fall have on our image? And I, I, I was really struggling with this in the sense of how to explain it. And uh, I, I, I listened to uh, and, and, and read something that, that John Piper had put together. Um, and, and he put it, uh, and we're going to discuss the fall more, more clearly next week, but it's clear in Scripture that even uh, the, the fall, it's a sense that he said, uh, has defaced, has corrupted, but, has, but the image of God is still there. And he cited two references, one in James 3.9 where it's talking about the, the taming of the tongue, and it says that we should not be, you know, Praising God with, with, in one breath and cursing man in the next because man is what? Created in the image of God. So, even still, even after the fall, even after sin, there's a still that sense that we are in the image of God. And we see it even in people who do not know God. And I'll look at that in just a moment. And Genesis 9-6 is a similar verse in the idea of of after the fall, but man still being in the image of God in reference to the idea of murder and this type of thing. Uh, and, I, and I thought, you know, even if man denies God, he can only do so because he's created in the image of God. The only reason why he has the ability to reason and think about it and to choose to deny God is because he has an ability that was God-given, the image of God, that no other creature on earth has. So, you know, man is, is still has that, that, that image of God with him. Again, John Piper said, in, in, in sin, man has, has, has defaced or corrupted the image of God in him. Uh, and... This is where you see that man uses the, 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 the ability, that, the, the image that has been put in, the spirit, his, his creativity, all these things, to do everything but recognize God. To do everything but to, to uh, worship and, and, and give over to, to God, the creator of all things, and to see the, the word of God. You know, man's, in his defaced, corrupted state, chooses to use this God-given spirit, if you will, uh, to glorify himself, to, uh, to pleasure himself. And, uh, and so uh, we have this, this picture of, of what it is to have sin, which separates us in our relationship from God. And that also, by the way, Outside of God, all other relationships are, are, are defaced and corrupt in some way as a result. But even, and I thought this moving us into communion, even while we are all sinners, and even before we really sought the face of God, we have the reality that Paul records in Romans chapter 5, but God 
shows His love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Christ died for us to turn around what we have done in our sins and corrupted that God has given us uh, in our, and, and, and to turn around and point it back towards understanding who God is and in the relationship and the sense of fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. I skipped over one of the distinctives that was pointed out. We're familiar, obviously, with John 3.16. And, and God so loved the world that He gave His only Son for us. And within that context, one of the distinctives we have is that as we come back into a restored relationship through the blood of Christ, through the sacrifice of Christ, through the work of Christ in, in, in our salvation and His grace, His mercy, as we come to that, this one characteristic is to become dominant in us. The, the image of God is, is that He is love. And that image is to be reflected in us as well for each other, but for God first and for each other and, and, and as a result. And John chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 4, uh, there's, there's even a little song that goes with this, but I'm not going to even try to, to sing it as simple as it is. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And this, the love of God, was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love. And not that we have lived, uh, loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Powerful statement again. And the only reason why we are capable of that is because we are created in the image of God. He created us for that very purpose, to have a love relationship with Him, and as a result, a fellowship and a love relationship with each other through His grace and, and, and working in us. And all of it with one main purpose. And we even have up on our statement, proclaiming, embodying, and enjoying the gospel of Jesus Christ to transform our community and the world all to the glory of God. We were created in His image to bring all to His glory. I'd like to, at this point, have communion. And I'd ask the ushers to come forward and to pass the communion out. And we'll, if you'd hold it until we've all been served, and we'll share it together.
in your hands, the nails in your feet, they tell me how much you love me, the thorns on your brow, they tell me how you bore so much shame to love me, when the heavens pass away, all your scars will still to say forever my For his crucifixion, he took that bread at the meal. And after giving thanks for it, he broke it and he shared it with the disciples. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And to the end of the meal, taking the cup of wine... I believe probably lifting it up in the sense of, of drawing their attention to it in the way a teacher might do and, and, and saying, you know, this is now a representation. He said, this is my blood. It's been poured out in order to purchase the covenant. And he's referring to that covenant of grace. The words that is finished would be sealed with the reality that he poured out his blood, his life. He died on the cross satisfied the justice of God. It was finished. Nothing else to bring. And he asked us as often as we would share this cup to do it in remembrance of him. Father, again we come with thanksgiving this morning. But we also come with an understanding that uh, we even now as, as with with the, the blessing of, of and the great gift of your salvation, the grace that you covered us with, the, the Holy Spirit in us, and the reality that we can say we know that God has created us unique to be in a relationship with Him and with each other. With all of that, we realize that we still fall short. And so we come asking, Lord, that you would forgive us of those things that we have done, uh, either... 
that we have done or have failed to do, Lord, that you would have us uh, do and ask your forgiveness. And we do so with a confidence as we ask that your grace has covered us and that you, as we confess our sins, are faithful and just to forgive us. Thank you. We worship you. We praise you. Go with us now that we might be the image of God in the sense that other people might say, I always think of, 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 of things that, that, that we were taught to teach children in, in, in Sunday school, and that is that you might be the only Jesus they ever meet or they ever see. And how important it is to desire to be, in a sense, in constant uh, submission to you so that we might see those around us and the needs that they have to know who you are and to be willing to be used of you for that purpose. We worship you, we praise you, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.